This conversation with Jessie Horney really resonated with me and it really mattered to me. She's such a great creative presence in Boise and she's made a difference in a lot of lives. And uh, she's also just a really fun person who has a great sense of humor and a great laugh. And um, we visited into the night long after we were done recording just because she's that fun. I hope you guys are uplifted and enjoy this conversation with Jesse. Uh, do they wear uniforms? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Not that bougie, but <laughs> it's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> Uh, so, so you're self-publishing a book. Yeah. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Is this the gender? Yeah, this is a gender book. Yeah. So intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. It has been intriguing. <laughs> I've never written such long form before, and it's really hard to keep a cohesive grasp on it. Like, I'm much more of an essay writer. I really live in, like, 1,500 to 3,000 words. That's, like, I can do that. Sweet spot. Anytime. Yeah, just whip it out. But a book is so many essays, so it's just been hard to think, like, how do you tell a whole story at once? And the first, like, round of it was so academic and uh, just impossible to read, and it didn't sound like me at all. Mm. So I really had to, like, tear the whole thing apart and make it into a story. Yeah, it's just like really humbled me <laughs> as an artist. Yeah, for oh, sure. Man. Yeah, I can't imagine what a labor. Yeah, like literally giving birth to. It does feel like it. Yeah, truly. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like now I'm on week thirty-eight when people are like, "Oh boy, how are you feeling?" You're still, <laughs> yeah, like still, still there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Whenever I'm like dread seeing people sometimes, they're like, "Hey, how's that book coming?" And I just want to be like. I'm still pregnant. Okay, <laughs> obviously, you have it. <laughs> yeah. I would tell yeah, you. I promise you'll know. Will you come back and talk about gender whenever it's oh, done? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm sure I'll. This will be my the one stop on my press tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can arrange a couple. <laughs> we'll follow you around. Um. So you also did a Christmas movie. Mm. Which was my brother and I make it wasn't for Christmas. Oh, okay. It was a poem, kind of like a lyrical essay that I wrote about grief. I wrote it a while ago, years and years ago, but it's just kind of like stuck. And we really wanted to make um, something that was more visual and more shareable because not a lot of people want to read a poem, Mm -hmm. especially a longer one. So we decided to make like a short film with it, which was really fun to just do a project with my brother, my brother Robert. He's Mm -hmm. my best friend, and I really like to do creative work with him. So we made this short film. We've made other movies together before, but this was definitely the most ambitious. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. It was cool. Where do you, if one wanted to watch it, where would... Mm, It's on Facebook. It's called This Is How We This Is How You Grieve. You could probably just look that up on Facebook. I am. Couldn't get a sitter the night that it showed at the district. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a show to, like, mm-hmm. premiere it. <laughs> the premiere. See, that's a press yeah. stuff. Um, and then uh, I was going to watch it, but I was grieving, so I couldn't at the time. Oh, <laughs> just I know. No, I just, you know those days where you're like, I'm too raw. I cannot Absolutely. do it. But I, I yeah, mean, I've saved it. would have gotten to you. <laughs> I've saved it. I will watch it. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Thanks. Okay, so what else does your look like right now? You've got... 
three, life look like? You got three mm-hmm. little kids. Mm-hmm. I have a first grader and a kindergartner and a preschooler. And actually just partnered with my brother's church to open a brick and mortar preschool next fall. Surprise, surprise. I did not go to school to be a teacher, but I really love teaching. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little kids. That's why I love preaching. It just feels like you're teaching a crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's immensely satisfying to me to teach something and to see people like have a moment where they understand something new. Oh. <laughs> Nothing better. Even if they're three. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real reason I'm doing it is because I'm applying to seminary and I needed a way to pay for seminary. So this was like... I love teaching. Then I don't have to pay for childcare because my little girl will be with me, mm-hmm. and it'll help me pay to go to seminary part time until I can go full time. What I would your degree in seminary be? Um, it's a master's of theology. Okay, but there's a seminary I'm looking at that has sort of like a wing of that. That's a master's of theology in the arts. So wow. So how did you? Can we back up a little bit to like? Sure. Where did you flesh that out where you kind of narrowed, like funneled down what you're good at, how many words you're good at writing, how you like to <laughs> teach? Like, where did you, like, I mean, is that part of being in your 30s? Because, like, now I'm oh, sort of like. Isn't it? Are you guys in your 30s? Yeah. I am, but I feel like I've just landed on the M&Ms I like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to commit to stuff. But, like, those lights start coming on really. Totally. I would never go back to my 20s. No, yeah, because you don't know yourself very well. So how did you, so you always, did you always know you wanted to write and then you just narrowed it down as you've gone? Um, yeah, people called out writing in me as a kid um, and communicating in general. I mm-hmm. knew that that was something I was gifted in. Um, but then I went to college the first time when I was 18 as pre-med. I mean, talk about not knowing yourself. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. And I took one semester of biology and was like, oh, I'm so dumb. (laughs) Like, literally, I'm such a dummy. There's no way I can pass this class. And then I left college in disgrace. I got such bad grades and um, worked full time. And as I was working, um, decided to go back to Boise State. But I was like on academic probation. (laughs) I was such a bad student. So I had to go to CWI for a while and then like, earn my way back to Boise State and part of what I did for credits was write and um, direct musicals at Eagle Elementary School of the Arts. Okay. And it was just to like get credit for theater classes that I was taking but uh, it was really life-giving to me and it was so easy. I just felt like not dumb anymore. Yeah. Well, well, well. Yeah. I love that and I love how kind of like you stumble in backwards to something yeah. and then God brings it full circle. Oh, like, totally. oh, I'm going to dust this off and make it better. Give it back to you. Yes. When you're ready. When you're ready to like mm-hmm. rain, rain it in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when I went back to college, I was 23, 24. Mm-hmm. So I graduated like Clara was born when I was at college. My first, she was a toddler. I got pregnant and then I graduated when I was like 36 weeks pregnant with my second. So I knew at that time, like, I got a writing degree, and I knew that's what I wanted to do, but then I stayed home with my kids. So, like, I graduated college, had a baby three weeks later, quit my job to stay home, and it was just like, my world got so small and quiet, 
And oh, like, yeah. I left work. I left a university. I left grown-up life. And it was just in this little house in Nampa with two very small kids. They were 16 months apart. And it was just like the darkness kind of swallowed me up. I, uh, I, and he was born in the winter. Sam, my second, he was really small. And I, I couldn't leave with him because he was so small. So... I really had to like look into where I was finding my worth. And at that time I started a blog to like have a creative outlet. Which and, was hilarious. Yeah. And that's really to answer your question where I honed in on writing and especially essays was the blog, which is so funny because it's like, it's called horny mom tells all because <laughs> my last name is horny. And it just kind of like blossomed into this place where I could, uh, work out my writing and learn to be a better writer. When I go back and read it now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, some of it's so bad, but it was just, you know how Malcolm Gladwell says, like, you become an expert after 10,000 hours or something. Yeah. Like, anyone can be good at anything. Yeah. That was my 10,000 hours, was writing blogs about being stuck at home with little mm -hmm. kids and, like, the journey of motherhood. And I can't even write that stuff anymore. Like, the blog is, it's mostly, like, every couple months now because that season of my life has passed. But when I look back at like the shrinking that God did around me, what he was really giving me was like this really precious time to hone in on that gift of communicating and to let me like reach out without leaving my home. Mm -hmm. And it built a community around me that even now I'm still like reaching out to. And that is who's, buying my book and that's mm -hmm. who's like inviting me to speak places yeah people who read those essays about breastfeeding yeah <laughs> you know so yeah how did you find the value in knowing because you you weren't what I loved it's not too precious but you like said things so so real but so super funny did you know that you had like a funny rhythm I mean I knew yeah and I tried to make it funny like, but I would like cry and laugh in the same <laughs> blog, you know? Uh, yeah, I think that that just reflected motherhood for me. Yeah. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. It's like. Oh, for sure. Such a tide of emotions that come, I think, especially with young kids. And I wanted what I was writing to, to really honestly reflect that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that was like, what, seven years ago. So blogs were like. A lot different back then. They were big. Do you remember? Everyone was reading and writing. Mom, yeah. yeah. It wasn't totally saturated or anything. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading a lot too. And I was really struck by the like sheen over most of them. Mm -hmm. And felt, even with my blog name, Horny Mom Tells All, really wanted to poke fun at the whole idea of motherhood being this like feast that we lay before an audience and say, look what we've made. And I wanted to be really honest about what was on my table, which was, like, food and literally shit. You know, yeah. like, it's all there in a single day. Yeah. And uh, people, I just got so much response of people saying, like, oh, I feel this way every day, and I've just never felt permission to say it. Sure. You know? Yeah. So that was really yeah. powerful to me. Next, I'm actually in like, it feels uncomfortable to talk about because I'm in the middle of I'm like touching my neck. Yeah. I feel more Do you need that? Benadryl, real quick. Warm. You guys can't see me, but I'm taking my shirt off. It's so hot in here. 
Um, yeah, I'm really in the middle of wrestling out what's next. I think part of it is being in our 30s and seeing, like, my little girl's going to go to school. In a year and a half, she'll be in kindergarten. And mm. then what? You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And realizing that, like, like I'm saying, this blog, I, I can't write like that anymore. That's not happening to me. And my kids are old enough that I wouldn't share about them that way anymore. Exactly. Because they have their own stories to live in. Yeah. And our stories are really intertwined, but it got to the point where like people knew things about them that would come back to them in a way that uh, my kids were not comfortable with. Sure. So I really had to like, oh, okay, back up a little bit. Your personhood has become more established. I see that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But this last like six weeks, I've just been in I mean for real a wrestling match with the Lord with like dreams like dreams at night that are coming to me and crazy conversations with people and um dreams that I have for like what I want to do next and just not being able to reconcile like what does that mean as a mom with kids Mm -hmm. I always tell my brother like if I had a wife (laughs) I could just do all of these things that I've listed out. Like, can we go there? <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, let's go. Yeah, it just feels like though. Do those things have to come second? Because we've committed to these kids. We had them. They're mm-hmm. here now. So, and my husband and I both felt really like I wanted to be home with them when they were little. Um, but now, like, can I go? And how does it look to go? And how much do they come with me? And this pastor told me the other day when I was just like agonizing over going back to school and feeling called to preach and just saying like, it's so embarrassing to even say that out loud. Like, who am I to say that? And what do I do with my family and a husband? And he said, you've got to practice integrating your life and your call because God would never call one separate from the other. He would never give you a calling that did not integrate with the calling that he already gave you as a mother and a wife. So you've got to just start practicing. Bring your kids and your husband along with your dreams. Tell them the visions that God's giving you and live it out as a family. I try to keep it really separate because, um, do you guys talk about Enneagram on here? Yes. Right. What is your number? I'm a seven. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I'm a nine. Oh, you are. Oh, you have such a... That makes sense, your energy. Well, I'm so wearing peaceful. all jammies right now. So. <laughs> no, you're so sweet. What's yours? Two. Oh, I thought I was a two forever. Like a year. And then finally realized I was seven. I think twos and sevens are pretty Yeah. Interchangeable. I think especially as an adult, just like you just have to take care of people mm-hmm. as a mom. Anyways, I'm a seven. My husband's a one. And so... I just have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of ideas all the time. And my husband's a perfectionist and he's not a big dreamer. And it's been hard to like drag him along on these adventures that I feel really called to. And he's just like, everything feels good right here. <laughs> so I wish you could just stay right here. I asked um, him the other day, do you ever wish you just married a normal girl? And he was like, Yes! <laughs> I died laughing. I was like, I knew, I knew that's how you felt. So so in this wrestling, can we talk about your wrestling and then kind of talk about 
fasting and the Lent season. Oh, sure. Into. Yeah. What does wrestling look like to you? We will record to like 30 minutes. So I'll stop it here soon and we'll start at a new starting place. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, you want to wrestling or fasting? Hmm. Let's talk about your wrestling. Cause you said okay. you've had like six weeks of wrestling. Yeah. It's just been a, a wake up, I guess, almost like I'm coming to and seeing this part of me that has felt really uh, like too much, yeah. you know? Yeah. And because also because I don't, I don't make like a lot of money doing what I do. And so it has always just felt like a cute hobby in some mm-hmm. ways. Like I always tell people that I'm like sleeping with a wealthy benefactor <laughs> <laughs> because they works so I can like make art, you know? Yeah. And so even like pursuing school has just felt like, are you just doing this to to go to school and to like to say you have the degree or even to like engage your mind? Is that a enough? You know? And my husband was like, Are you just trying to go to school to go to school? Because I know you love school. And I really had to think about like, does there need to be like an end purpose? Should there be a way that I'm going to go and make money and make this worth people's time? How much of that matters to the Lord? How do you know when you're following a calling or if it's just like something that you've felt gifted in or want to do, is it okay to want to do something? Mm -hmm. You know, like, should there be um, like an authority that comes to you and says, Luke, this is what God has for your life and I want you to pursue it. That's just like the paradigm that I don't know that I've created for myself where I don't feel like I can go forward and step up and say, no, I'm uh, built to preach and Mm -hmm. God gave me something that made me good at teaching. And so I want to go to school because I think that that uh, matters. And I'd like bigger ideas to translate to people that I love, to show them the character of God and who God sees them as and how God wants them to see the world. That like didn't seem like enough to me. And so that's what I've been wrestling through is what matters in God's economy? What matters in God's kingdom? And what part do I have to play in it? And it's just been, I guess, a a bigger, harder journey than I thought it would be. I just thought people woke up and were like, yeah, then that's what I always was. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. Maybe it's this hard for everyone. I don't know. I don't know either. But, I mean, I feel like I kind of am realizing that, like, the bigger the thing, like, that I just have to get used to living in the tension. Because, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just uncomfortable like, tension. Yeah, too. just sort of like, I think if, if it is, if it's the Lord, then it's always going to feel scary and you're always going to be checking yourself for humility mm. and checking your motives. Yes. I think those times that you run ahead and you have this whole story written, <laughs> right. that's the crash and burn. Oh boy! But you know, living in those, in that tension of like, I'm not sure. And I'm just going to like take little steps at a time mm. and see, I don't know. I think that's beautiful and only good things can come out of it. You know, like even if all that it is, is you're wrestling, like how could you go that's wrong? That's true. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so true. There doesn't need to be anything beyond like a veil being pulled back a little bit more and seeing a better glimpse of the Lord. Because let's say that's the end of it. I come to the end of this season of wrestling through who I am and what God made me to be. 
and I don't go to school or, or I don't pursue a career in ministry or the arts, but through the wrestling, I got to see a clear picture of God's face. And then I spend the rest of my life telling that to people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who got hurt? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like who got hurt and who gets to hear the good news mm-hmm. about a God that cares enough to wrestle with them. You know, yeah, or even if it fails. Yeah. I don't want care. them to think that you can only try something if you know the end before you start. I don't Great. want my kids to think that. But that's oh, man. how I'm like approaching life. Mm-hmm. You know, you as a responsible adult, you shouldn't start things unless you at least know the end towards which you're working. Mm-hmm. That feels very irresponsible. But I would never tell my kids that. Why am I telling myself that story? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Will you let me know? Yes. <laughs> Get back to me on that, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse Harney. So could you, could we talk a little bit about this season, the end of the winter, beginning of spring? Yes, I love that you want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> because I, winter, spring, summer people, how does winter feel in you? Gosh, I like having seasons. So mm-hmm. I love winter, mainly like Christmas. Oh, this is fun. And then about now I'm like, the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. Bring on spring. Like I'm yeah. ready, ready for it. I kind of love this time of year only because we just talked about this. Cody and I did a little episode yeah, last week where that. we were talking about the dead of winter, how previously our home marriage, I would just be like, the Lord wants us to move. We're moving. Like I would get <laughs> depressed and like want to move to California. <laughs> and now every year I kind of love it because I start like, I think the, the rhythms of, the church calendar mean more to me, but like also knowing like when winter is like the very darkest, whenever it starts going the other way slowly. Yeah. And I love that where you're mm-hmm. just kind of waiting, waiting um, and feeling the beginnings of spring. Like you said, like the days stay a little bit longer and there's a tiny little bulb popping out of the ground yeah. and, and it feels this time of year is beautiful to me. It feels like hopeful symbolic yeah. I don't know but I'd like to be I'd like to hear your point of view because I don't know anything really about it. <laughs> I yeah uh, that's even as you're saying that I'm thinking oh that's oh, boy I'm this is I'm so tired of talking about myself I'm really sorry this is so obnoxious but I was thinking like oh that's why this feels so vulnerable mm-hmm. because it has been sort of my winter mm-hmm. of being in um like closed spaces with these kids and like they kind of came one after another and even with my career I like put it away but maybe part of why this feels so vulnerable is because it's like the tender buds of spring Mm -hmm. you know it's not like full blossom yet and so I I have like a fear of it getting trampled or of me trying to um like pull it up too soon well so that's really interesting that you want to talk about that today because it's like such a metaphor for Mm -hmm. this particular season Mm -hmm. of my life yeah oh my gosh yeah totally I love that that you're like this is so such a baby this is so new I don't want to like rush it or yeah that's really cool that so that's that's exactly it like this time of year leading up to Easter always feels metaphorical like winter's or winter's ending yeah spring is starting when you say the church calendar do you mean like the liturgical yeah I guess so I don't like I've didn't grow up knowing anything about like Lent or 
really, I mean, I knew about Good Friday, but any of that, and I still don't like hold to it in a legalistic way, but it means something to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, so you can like literally set the stage for Easter and really mm -hmm. like contemplate mm -hmm. going into like having yourself right to like celebrate. Yeah. And um, I'm still learning, you know, but I think it just feels, feels like really cool to like think about those types of things yeah. and read the passages. And oh, so what so does it look like for you? I, uh, I mean, I've always wished I was like part of a high church tradition. <laughs> I grew up conservative Baptist and it was just like, I wanted so bad to be like an Episcopalian or Catholic and light incense and have <laughs> a priest. I know. So, like, yes, it was so romantic to me. I took a lot of Latin in high school. Just the idea of like the mystery, the mystery of of faith felt really um, muted to me. It through um, like a low church background. So, okay. Like, they're just the only the only part of the mystery and of any sort of tradition that we upheld was Advent. And so that has been like a powerful force in my life. Advent. I'm still like I marvel at it and that the whole Advent season brings me to Christmas in a way that's just like I can't believe people don't love Christmas because mm -hmm. it's oh, a whole yeah. season Beautiful. of yeah, of light. Mm -hmm. And then when you move into like the Easter calendar and the um, like we're mirroring what Jesus did. Right. And what the Israelites did. So when you do 40 days without something or 40 days of something that you wouldn't normally do, you're acting in a way that Jesus acted. He did that for 40 days. And so there's like a physicality to doing something that Jesus did that changes us. And I know that people get afraid of like legalism mm -hmm. or of like um, a liturgical viewpoint becoming this um, like a sensual way of reaching the Lord. That's not actually like fact-based, you know, it's just like feelings and Catholics love like suffering. And uh -huh. so there's like this workspace. Yeah. Like right. if I suffer enough for 40 days and I'll be closer to God. But that's not at all what it is. It's like we make ourselves less in a way mm -hmm. so that God can become more in a big way. So what So what does it feel like? What shows up for you when you're fasting or like when you're letting go of something for, those, for that time? Um, I So last year was the first year that I've ever committed to fasting. And I, um, you're not like supposed to talk about fasting, so it's always... I feel really like wary of talking about it, but I also think it's important for people to know that there's, there's like normal ways to fast. So last year I felt very called to fast once a week. So I fasted 24 hours a day, once a week for a full calendar year. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And, um, it changed my life. I mean, I just couldn't believe it was hard and it, changed how I viewed myself and as a person who likes more and much and many, it was definitely like a whew, letting go of my impulses for food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like food is such a comfort and a soother to me. And so fasting made me turn and look at my soothing mechanisms and say like, Oh, 
that was supposed to be Jesus. Not supposed to in a legal way, but mm-hmm. supposed to in like a, that's the only thing that's kind of fulfill me or actually soothe me kind of a way. Yeah. So it was very powerful. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed just in little ways, I mean, fasting from your Instagram or anything, yeah. it's like these things of themselves aren't bad, but that they're, they're where I'm running every time I'm hungry and I have this boredom of the soul and yeah. I just get this voice in my head. That's like, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Oh, yes. And that whenever you do commit to giving something up for a little while, you realize how many times a day you just reach for it when you're feeling mm-hmm. anxious or hurt or vulnerable, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, that couldn't hurt either. You know, <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you lead up to Easter? Hallie, what are the things that are important? I don't know that I do anything to this year. I'm just like, where am I? Have you ever observed Lent in any way? Probably in like these little ways where I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'll give up like a social media or I won't watch this or like I won't yeah, have same. a beer or you know what I mean? Yeah. But just as you were talking and I listened to a sermon on my way here and it's funny how it mimics what we're, it doesn't mimic, it's mirroring what we're talking about now, uh-huh. but. He was like, what are you rooted in and what's your religion? Because what you spend your time doing when, when you have free time, that shows yeah. you where your heart is. So if you're looking for, if, if you go on and you're looking for home goods or to redecorate your house, like there's a materialism there. Or if it's texting friends or wanting to like help somebody, then that's a relational thing. If you want to be helping somebody Ooh. or if you are looking to improve yourself, like, that's achievement based, but at the end of the day, what should it be? Just like you were saying. So it's interesting to me to think when we are talking about fasting, I'm always like, what am I giving up? What am I giving up? Instead of what am I gaining? Yeah. What am I gaining in this moment? Right. (laughs) I'm gaining time with my savior and clarity and unlocking like how you were talking about the mystery. Mm things like we have this deep mystery in the bible like and i neglect it so often yeah so i think we talked about it last year too but just realizing like what is what is there just to look at how how jesus even led up to the passover yeah and his crucifixion it's just to look at that more yeah i come around to yeah that's really powerful to think about that he he knew he knew those whole 40 days to what was coming. So I wonder what that felt. And that was like when his ministry was really ramping up too. you know, like when you read the gospels, that last bit before he walks the road to Jerusalem, like before the Hosannas, his ministry is at like a fever pitch and, you know, like there's huge crowds following him and, and people are beginning to attack him and they're plotting his death time after time after time. And he has to spend like that whole 40 days before the cross knowing what's coming and on some level, like hoping that it's not. Mm -hmm. So part of what Lent has become to me is like joining in. I know suffering is like a touchy word, but joining in the suffering of Jesus and saying Mm -hmm. like, I'll spend 40 days knowing what's coming too. You know, and Easter's a weird story. Yeah. You know, it's weird to, to put a man on a cross and just, to say this man died, but he was fully God. And 
and then separated and then he came back to life. And, and there's, when I tell the story to my kids, I always feel this like a disclaimer of oh, like, mommy knows it's weird. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not trying to stand here and tell you this is a story that makes a lot of sense, but it's the only story that ripped history in two. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a reason to look at it. And every time I've looked at it, it's changed everything for me. And so I want them to look at it again and again and again. And Lent has become this way of saying, like, I want to look at it with fresh eyes this year, Jesus. So whatever it is, it's keeping me from seeing it in a way that's going to make me see you more. I don't want that stuff anymore. I really don't. So take it, at least for this time. Um, and with dreams, going back to dreaming, because that's all I'm always dreaming and always scheming. And so that too is feels really vulnerable. Like if I like give this to you, are you going to give it back to me? You know, yeah. like in a, are you nice that way? Totally. And realizing that he's you know better than I thought. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about that lately, even so I really wanted a big family. I think that's part of what kicked off this season of wrestling was us coming sort of to the end of like, okay, we're, we're done having kids. Mm-hmm. My husband's really done. And I had to, it took a long time, but to like say, I, I choose you over another kid, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I ached over that. And mm-hmm. I have felt so strongly this message from the Lord that like even the dirt where you bury your dreams is mine Mm. and that meant so much to me like there's nowhere that like even the ache of things changing for my future maybe these things I'm talking about now will never come to fruition but putting them to rest and letting them be buried does not mean that they didn't mean something or that God isn't doing something with them Wow. You know? Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really tender for me and for you and you probably too. Yeah. It's just that phase of It's just life. cool, you know, when God like starts to talk about something, how he brings in other things because it's just like popping up this week for me because even another another sermon I listened to. Hallie gets the star. But he was talking about Psalm 88 and um, Tim Keller was talking about Psalm 88. And he was like, when you look at that, it's such a funky thing to be in the Bible. Heman's really angry and he's talking and he's like, Darkness is my closest friend. Like, Why is this in here? And at the end of it, he's like, even that is a prayer. Mm. And it's precious to God. Mm. And those words that were, were angry and they were desperate, but they were still something that God saw fit to keep in the Bible mm. for time to come to oh, minister yeah. to all these people. And just, that's so beautiful. You know, yeah, even that. thinking of like a dream or feeling like, here, I, you know, sometimes as a 35-year-old mom of three, she's like, oh, yeah, this is different than what I thought. And I did go to school. These things pop in your head. And have this wonderful gift of being a wife and a mom. And there are times, too, that I think, man, what, what could have 
been a little different, or this is a different path. But still, I'm just 35, and God's so good. <laughs> I don't know why it feels like, like oh, that's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> it is over. Reminders, you know, like working at a school and pursuing like a teaching certificate. People are like, oh yeah. You see these twenty-three-year-olds come in. They're like, "Here, I'm teaching." I'm like, I've got my masters. Congrats! I could sub. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so it was beautiful. Just, like his timing's so different. Yeah. He was like yeah. Abraham and Sarah. Oh yeah. Oh, my waiting is mm-hmm. really not as much, but he still sees it. And it's mm-hmm. still hard sometimes. But okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we can spend our whole life pursuing something. Uh, that he's going to flip completely upside down. Yeah. Like I think about that with Paul all the time that we think of Paul's conversion story is like the ultimate sinner mm-hmm. becomes the church. <laughs> mm-hmm. But truly all the things that he was doing in his past life were absolutely necessary for his ministry, mm-hmm. right? Like he yeah. couldn't have written like that. He couldn't have reached the Jews like that if he had not been a pious sort of wicked mm-hmm. Jew. Not that like his sin was at all condoned. But I mean, it's not wasted. He was killing Christians, but it's never wasted. Right. It's yeah. never wasted. Yeah. It's so lovely to see mm-hmm. that there's nothing that God could yep. ever see and say, well, toss that in scrap pile. Yeah. It'll never mean anything to me. Yeah. No, no. I'm learning so much right now that I love is that he, he's better than I thought he was and he's more secure than I thought he was. Like he's, he really loves it when I'm praying, mad praying, ugly Mm. praying, questioning. He's just like, cool, keep talking to me. (laughs) I can handle it. Yeah. And he's not as insecure and fragile as, you know, I always felt like he he was. So, I mean, that's really comforting to me. I just read this quote this week um, in a book that I've been reading that's like really shook me up that I posted about on Instagram the other day, the tattoos on the heart, which is just like blown my world apart. But there was this quote in there that said, God is greater than God. And I was just like, what? God is greater than God. It feels uncomfortable to even say, but Mm. like the more that I think about it, the more it's like, right. My concept of what Mm -hmm. God is will never, ever match what's true. Mm. God will always be greater. Always another side to Than the God that I think is, that I've, like, got a handle on. Yeah. Never have a handle on it. Yeah. Which is so comforting, actually. Yeah. Pretty glad about (laughs) that. Because my handle is very small. So, Lou, uh, as some of you guys may know, the Sela the, the is this spring. Yes. Tell us what's going on with the Sela. What's, what's the word? Well, we have some exciting news and sad news. Sad news is for everyone who was dying to go this May, it is sold out, which is also exciting Yay. news for me. Yes. Yeah, no, it's super cool. I, I think it's exciting and I'm proud of you mm-hmm. guys. Thank you. So. Um, so it's sold out, but, um, tell us what is the Sela? Like, what is it about? Who is it for? What do you do? Well, Sela is for human beings, okay. not really any other category. So inclusive. <laughs> I know, but, um, it's for anyone who just needs time away to like unplug and 
recharge and kind of deconstruct for a while, have some open space and also people who are creative um, and even people who aren't. But a lot of times we encourage people to bring some people songwrite, some people do art, some people do business planning, some people write. Um, we will have like workouts in the mornings and everyone scatters just to sort of, some people even nap, just sort of kind of find their own way and hike or whatever they want to do. And then we gather back up in the evening and sort of compare notes and make a beautiful meal together. And it's a really interesting what ends up coming out of each person. Even if you don't know, or you don't think of yourself as creative, or you don't know what you're actually going to plan on doing, you should come anyways, because there's, once you kind of turn down the noise, really usually it finds you, you know, what you're, what you're looking for. Yeah, that's cool. And it's not, it's not structured. I mean, really, it's no. sort of people can kind of come and go as they please and do yes. what they want. The point of it is for people to go and recharge. So that's super neat. What, so this one in the spring is sold out. What do you guys have in the works that you're thinking yeah. of? Now? Well, would you please bless me with your announcement, Whistle? Thank you. We have a second sailor this year coming up in the fall, October. We're still nailing down the dates, but um, if that interests you, please message me, text me, text or message um, Amanda Twilliger. Um, she's my partner or stop any of us on the street and ask us about it. Um, we would love to talk to you about it and see if it's what uh, the right thing is for you this year. And they can message you on Instagram? Yes, okay. bonding time page or Lou Dre, my personal page. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone look for that and check it out. Thank you for being vulnerable because these are conversations that, yeah, I mean, I was telling Hallie today that you just find yourself at this stage in your life having such beautiful, deep moments, but also my son today, I was talking to them and he's like, are you crying? And I was like, I guess I am. I didn't know I was. My face was just <laughs> But you just feel kind of like vulnerable and oh, a little totally. bit raw because yes. you're, I mean, I think I'll look back at this as like the best yeah. part of my life. Yeah. And I'm liking it, but it's because I'm choosing to kind of like sit and stuff and really let myself wrestle instead of yeah in your 20s you're like busy 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 more to yeah. do more to yeah the whole life's ahead of me yeah and now you're like man i better oh, shoot, slow down yeah <laughs> better be here right now yes it's such a pouring out it's oh like, right it's such a pouring out for sure publishing this book and we're gonna do another podcast really? on this i book. cannot believe i said that on this podcast <laughs> you called your shot <laughs> it's happening seriously Bank shot, yeah. point line, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> <laughs> what a mistake. <laughs> we have a couple amendments just to come back and edit. We can always edit. It's never too amendment, but yeah. Here's the thing. It's a metaphorical <laughs> book. Look <laughs> written on my part. Um, well, I like to talk about food before we end. What are you oh, loving? Great. What's your favorite food? Oh what my you, gosh. You for this season. We're, yeah, we love food. I love food. Are you cooks? Yes. I love eating out, too. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I love, like, local food. But I also, I really am, like, a, I love seasonal food. I love mm -hmm. pictures of seasonal food, like, going into Easter. But, yeah, well, I love to cook when I have time. You mean, like, post-Lent food? Or are you just saying, like, any food? Any food, yeah. What do you love? Oh, um, 
Well, you guys, this is not something I love, but I just bought an Instant Pot. Oh, yeah, my brother got me one for Christmas. Yeah, I'm really confused about the whole situation. Oh, I was scared. There are two rings. What is this thing? I know. I'm also really scared that it's going to blow up on me. Also, it feels, you know what I realized last night? I don't like it. It feels like cheating. Of cooking. And mm-hmm. I really love cooking. I like the whole the slow process. Whole process. Yeah. I'll be in the kitchen forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we, my husband and I are part of a supper club that's what? fun. Yeah. We've talked about it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fun. It was a marriage counseling group that we were in. And at the end of it, we were like, Gosh, we know each other. Oh, well, say we either have to kill each other or (laughs) seriously, someone either has to go away or this needs to remain tight. Mm -hmm. So we made a supper club, uh, which is where we meet once a month at rotating houses, and the person who hosts cooks like an outrageous meal. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like the best meal that you eat all month. And then we don't clean up; like you're not allowed to clean up. Until everyone leaves. So uh, I'm super into planning these supper club meals. Oh, yeah. I love to. I mean, if I could spend like eight hours in the kitchen making a meal, that's a dream come true for me, which is really fun. So I'm really into making bread right now. Ooh. Trying to learn how. Yeah, to be a yeast bread expert. So that's oh my gosh. To learn. Yeah, just a smell. I'm a bread yeah. eater. Oh, I'm not I'll a bring good. Bring me some bread. Yes, please. It's actually easier than you think. Oh, really? My sister is a Messianic Jew, and they celebrate Sabbath like religiously. Oh, sorry, I had to say it. They do <laughs> religiously <laughs> every Friday, and she makes challah bread every Friday. And I've always just been so jealous of like the ritual of it, the eating of it, the memories that her kids are getting of her braiding this holla, you know, and she brushes the butter on and it rises and she cook and she always cooks too and then they eat it for breakfast and it's so beautiful. Oh, oh my gosh. It yeah. may be time for me to pick up. Yes. No. It's so good. She makes like all of her French toast the next morning whoa, sometimes. Whoa. Uh so anyways watching Jamie Lynn become an expert holla braider and baker has made me feel like there's nothing kinder than giving someone bread that you made. Oh, like, yeah, truly. Right. You yeah. know, when someone has even made fresh bread, it has just felt like this meant something. Yeah. You know, like you made this and it tastes like love. It does. It taste really like does. So yep. I've been trying to learn how to make bread to give to people, but you really got to plan ahead, which is not my strength. You guys start making bread at like 1 p.m. and people wanted to dinner. <laughs> That's a problem. So, yeah. That's a big problem. Are you guys bread makers? Her husband, I need him to open a food truck because he's oh, such a good, good cook. No yeah. way. Yeah. What does he make? So are you. You're a good cook. Too. I can follow recipe and do something, but he's just like, oh, that sounds good. I'll do this. Like, he, like in the last month, he's like, oh, what's that? Beef bourguignon? Yeah. <laughs> so he made that. He's like, oh, this wasn't that hard. That's good. So he's just he's creative, creative in the kitchen. Yeah. What a dream. What a dreamboat. Yeah. <laughs> he is a dreamboat. He's a next guy. level foreplay, really. Yeah. <laughs> and he's really For real. Yeah. And humble about it. Oh. I know. Like their kid's Sweet. birthday party, I'm like, 
get outside and eat your hot dog. And, my kids, <laughs> and they'll have like wonderful homemade soups. Oh, and <laughs> Don't think like, we had hot dogs too. <laughs> all your kids. Weird. Okay, you could. There's two cans that I made. No, you're right though. There's something deeply personal about baking and cooking for people. Did you, do you say this to your sister though? Because I just have to. That ain't no holla bread, girl. <laughs> yes. A lot of holla jokes. Yeah. yeah. That's just going to be my head. Did you just now come up with that? Because <laughs> you're like, are you a bread girl? And I was like, oh. I'm a holla bread girl. Yeah. Sorry. I know how to do it. But the puns, they're like, little me. That's fine. I wish people could see your dance. <laughs> that's really what brought you to their meat. I see your dance. Uh, Jesse Horney, will you come back? Oh, Be a frequent flyer on sure. the show. I was just listening to it today. I listened to Malia's. I had only oh, started yeah. it before. That's my sister-in-law. She's just so sweet. She yes. fell right in love with her all over again. I know. I cannot believe she married Robert. <laughs> <laughs> she is so God's sweet. greatest gift. <laughs> she oh, fell for it. <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. She's just. A, she's so. Wonderful and beautiful. So is Robert. Just in oh a, yeah, just in a different Obviously, beautiful Robert. way. <laughs> we need to get him on here. Somewhere. Oh, you do. Yeah, I would love to talk for. I know. I just <laughs> yeah. Soak it all in. So thank you so much. Thanks for, for having yeah, me, thanks. girls. This is really sweet. Thank you. Wasn't that a sweet conversation with Jesse? I gleaned a lot from it. Even as I went back and edited, there were so many things that I've had to think about this last week with her. I can't wait to have her back. And I hope you guys have a really good kickoff to your Lent season and to your Easter season. And we can't wait to visit again.